want to thank y'all for being here this morning. As y'all can see, we're missing quite a few people today. Uh, we got a number of people out sick. Uh, y'all, y'all noticed Roy wasn't here this morning. Pat called me. He got sick yesterday, and he's not still feeling bad today. And uh, they think it's more or less just a bad cold or allergies or something, but he is just really down and so we need to keep Roy in our prayers uh, Martha Brown and JB Martha took a pretty good fall and I was talking with her and visiting with her and uh, she was to go to the Azel hospital this week and I haven't heard back from her she said she'd call me but I'm going to give her a check in but x-ray her because she took a real good fall and she is just she was really stove up and, of course, uh, J.B.'s not in a whole lot better shape himself. So y'all keep Martha and J.B. both in prayer. Uh, Jim called this morning. Peggy Pickle, she is uh, down real bad with her allergies. She has got an allergy problem that every time this weather changes, she gets deathly sick. So y'all keep Martha, I mean, excuse me, Peggy in prayer. And uh, that God will touch her and... Uh, I need to keep Frances Howarth in prayer. Uh, her daughter Carol, I was talking to her. Uh, Frances has, uh, she's beginning to show a lot of difficulty in remembering and uh, functioning and different things. I was talking with Carol, and they're going to try to keep her at home as long as they can. I don't know if she may have to go somewhere in order to get the proper care that she needs, but the girls, her, her daughters are trying to take care of her. And uh, Carol is down here this week from Paris, Texas, and uh, to stay with uh, Frances. The, her daughter usually watches over her kind of as they went out of town for a little while to get some rest, you know. Uh, they just lost a sister here last week, and uh, Donna Harris, and uh, I did her service at Biggers, and uh, family was pretty well kind of upset with, you know, losing their sister, and uh, so... But anyway, that family's been through a lot of stuff. And like I said, you know, Frances, she's 96 years old. And God has really watched over. But things are beginning to change in her life. So y'all keep Frances in prayer. She needs it. And uh, I talked with Betty Luna. She is feeling better. But uh, she's still got a lot of problems going on. Betty just has a lot of problems. And uh, the doctors have told her, said, do not get out, do not go places right now with this uh, COVID-19, you know. She says, uh, she says, your body, he said, you are so, so susceptible. Betty's immune system, she just, you might as well say she practically don't have one. And she gets around anything, she catches it. And so she's been staying in. I keep up with her, talk with her, and visit with her on the phone. And... Uh, she says to be sure and tell everybody to thank them for their prayers and she loves everybody. And just as soon as she can, she says, I'm getting back. She says, I miss the people. I miss the church. So y'all keep her in prayer. And as you see, we have just a number of people that's out that I don't know what a lot of the problems are. Some of it's just things that come up and I mean, they just don't feel good. And I guess if you're sick, that's probably the best thing to do is stay home. 
don't bring it to the others. And I appreciate it when they call and let me know. That way I can get them on the prayer chain. I can pray for them. And if they need me to, I'll go to their house. And some of them still had, had don't really want visitors because of this COVID. But you know, if I go, I can wear a mask if, 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 uh, if it's necessary. Because I want to be there if you need me. I want to pray for you. I want to anoint you with oil. I want to ask that Holy Spirit to come up on you and heal your body. And uh, I've seen him work a lot of, in a lot of people's lives. And my faith in, in what the Holy Spirit does, I can't tell you what my faith is in that. But it's so strong that when I call upon the Holy Spirit, I actually believe the Holy Spirit is going to show up. That's why I go to the hospital. You know, I've had, I've had people ask me, say, do you really believe in healing and that, 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 that God will heal? I said, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. If I didn't, there wouldn't sense me even coming here. But I believe my faith is so strong in what God can do, what he will do, and what he wants to do in his people's lives. We're to be a witness for him, and I tell you, that's one of the strongest witnesses there is, is when God touches your life, you need to share that. You need to tell others. Let me tell you what my God has done. And you don't know how many people you can influence and help by telling them what God has done for you. You know, in the Bible, it tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, what God does for one, he'll do for another. To but inspire them, lift their hopes, get, encourage them. That's what we should be doing as Christians, encouraging each other in God, lifting each other up in God through prayer. That's what this prayer chain is about that we have at the church. You know, is... When we, when we send out a prayer chain, please pray for these people and pray for them in faith, believing that God will touch them. You know, faith also requires action. And you have to believe. But... Uh, so, but anyway, y'all keep these people in prayer. What just the thing to do is just keep the whole church in prayer. Because right now I look out here and there is so many people missing this, today. And I don't know if they're out of town. I don't know if many of them are sick or they just stayed home. But uh, anyway, y'all keep the church in prayer. Uh, I was I was thinking, and I guess. The way things are going in this world and everything, I came up and I just, I, you know, I, I just got to thinking. I went to, to reading that, and doing some studying on it. You know, in the Bible it says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. That's the title of my message. We're in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Jesus tells us in His Word. He says, "You're here." But you don't have to be a part of it. Yeah, you've got to live here. But if we're going to look here in a few minutes. There's some things here that I really want to stress. And uh, I want them to stand out to us. But, you know, when you've come out of a world, you know, sometimes a world can have a strong pull on us. We look back where we came from. And sometimes we remember. Now, 
you know, I know it sounds terrible, but most of the time when you was in this world and you were sinning, you had fun. You enjoyed it. If you didn't, you wouldn't have done it. Admit it. If you didn't enjoy it, you didn't like it, you would not have done it. You'd have walked away from it right then and there. But most of us have been in this world. We've been out in the world. We know what goes on out there. But then when God speaks to your heart, He mentions to you, Hey, I love you. What you're doing right now is against what I... I condemn what you're doing. I need you to change your ways. I need you to come and be my child. Not a child of the world. Not a child of the God of this world. We know that the Bible says that the God of this world is Satan. He is the God of this world. There are so many people right now following Satan. You've got many people out there, they call them Satan worshipers. They worship Satan like you worship God. I know that don't sound, you know, it's hard for us to believe. How can somebody worship something so evil? They're saying, how could you not worship something like this and worship somebody that's not even there? That they don't even believe in God. They've got their points, and their points we know are wrong in our eyes. But yet, they still worship Satan. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed it or not. If you'll watch... When Nancy Pelosi and some of them are up there, if you'll watch what they do, they give the sign of the devil to each other. Watch them. They'll reach up there and they'll give that the horns. That's the devil sign. That's the way Nancy Pelosi always says. They are an enemy. They, Nancy Pelosi had the Ten Commandments taken down off of the walls in Congress. They do not love God. They're all for abortions. They're for everything that's wrong. I don't know how you can... She said, we do God's work. I've seen this. And I asked myself, how can you do God's work through the week and everything and then kill babies and say you worship God? This world is evil. God knew this world was going to be evil. That's why he told us, do not be a part of what goes on. You have to live here, but you don't have to participate in what goes on. He says, set yourselves apart. Separate yourselves from the evil that is in the world. Come to me. Worship me. Love me. Let me love you back. Let me put my hedge of protection around you. Let me be in your life, not the world. The world will lead you astray. And we all know that. Yeah, but we sit there and we look at some others. We see the things they do. We see how they act. And sometimes, don't you, just be honest with you. Sometimes you say, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. Because it's so, it, look, it looks so enticing. That's the devil working. That's where you came from. That's not where you're headed. That's not what we're to do. 
Maybe that was in your life once. But when you said yes to Jesus Christ, your life changed or should have changed. It's just, it's just like Corinthians 5.17. You should change. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. All the old things in your life have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've left the old life that you was in. You left your sins. You left your love for the sins of the world to come and serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're not that same person you used to be. And we need to be, we need to be happy about it. I know I am. I know I am so glad that I said yes to Jesus Christ. I, it's just like I said before, Billy Graham said he's never known a man yet who accepted Jesus Christ and regretted it. As one thing I have never done is, re, is, is regretted accepting Jesus Christ into my life. As far as I'm concerned, that has been one of the greatest things that I have ever done. And if you look back at your life, if you've truly changed, you're going to say to yourself, this has to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's Jesus Christ coming into my life. It's me serving Jesus, Him being a part of my life. You know, the Bible tells us that we are not to focus on the things of this world. Instead, we're to focus on the things of heaven. We're not to focus. Do y'all realize everything on this world, on this earth right now, it's only temporary? What you can see is temporary. What you do not see is eternal. The Bible tells us that. Everything around you right now is temporary. One day it will all be gone. It won't be here. Someday this church building won't be here. There'll be something else here. Many things in your life when you was growing up that, that you really enjoyed going to see or going to visit and so forth, one day it won't be there. I know that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up on an old, in an old farmhouse. They had that old tin roof that you could see the stars through a lot of it. Old planks on the, side, on the house, you could look through the cracks and see the stars outside. But that was home. When we slept in that house, it was a room, but my grandmother quilted. There were so many quilts. I slept on a feather mattress that they had made. You sunk down in that mattress so deep, the quilts were so heavy on you, you never got cold, you couldn't even turn over in bed. I mean, you stayed warm. And, of course, the love that was in that house kept you even that much warmer. There was so much love. There was a lot of kids. We had a lot of good times. But you know, that old house isn't there anymore. My grandparents aren't here anymore. There's a lot of things that when I was growing up that I really loved that's not here now. And that's the way it's going to be for all of us. You probably know what I'm talking about. Many of you probably had things you loved. Maybe it's, maybe it's in a, a place of where you grew up. You enjoyed it. It's not there anymore. That's the way this whole world's going to be. One day, this, this, this world as we know it now won't even be here. So we better set our eyes on the things of heaven and not the things of this world. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he tells us this, set your affection or set your love on things above, 
not on the things of the earth. Set your love on the things of heaven. Set your love on God. Set your love on Jesus Christ. Set your love on the things that God has proclaimed are good and right. Think about what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It tells us something here. And, and, and a lot of us, we overlook this, this scripture. But it tells us something. And we need to get that into our hearts. Listen to it. It says, But it is written, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of those who love God. We do not even know what he has prepared for us. Let me read it again. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, that serve him, that worship him, that believe in him. We cannot even begin to imagine the things that he has prepared for us in heaven. We have nothing here in this world, on this earth, that will even compare, or we can say, well, look, this has got to be like heaven. Don't even come close. Paul, in his earlier times, he said he went to heaven. He said, I don't know if I was there personally. I don't know if I was there in the spirit. But Paul saw things. He came back to earth. He couldn't even talk about it. He had nothing here on this earth to compare to what he saw in heaven. You know, there's probably some of our friends right now, if we could talk to them. Becky, she was, Jimmy, what do you see? It'd probably blow her mind what, what, what Jimmy's seeing in heaven. Harold, don't tell him what he's seeing. All the horses and everything going on up there. You know, the, the, from, the, from the, what the Bible says, there's animals in heaven. Maybe even your pets. We know there's horses because Jesus is going to come back on a horse. We know there's lions and lambs because it says that the lamb is going to lay down with the lion. We don't know what all heaven holds. But we can only imagine. We can just imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be. How beautiful it's going to be. You know, there's been people that said well, what they called uh, uh, where they died and went to heaven. And they come back and they tell you what they saw. Some of it sounds pretty far-fetched. But you know, it's not impossible for God to do that. We've got loved ones in heaven. It's going to be such a joy to see. You're going to get to see great, great, great grandma and grandpa that you never even knew. I'm going to get to see people that I really miss. In my life right now, my parents, my grandparents, my sister, they're all gone. I'm it. I don't have them anymore. I got Linda. <laughs> hey, I guess things couldn't be worse. <laughs> but no, I'm truly thankful to God for her. 
But, you know, it's just like we've got so many people in our life that we've missed. And you're going to see again. And the thing about it is, even your great, great, great grandparents, you're going to know who they are. They're going to know who you are. You talk about a reunion. Now, there's going to be a reunion. There's going to be a barbecue party going on that you ain't never seen before. But look what, what, what is said here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. <clears throat> and it, it says, it's talking about Abraham now. It says, these people, the people in Abraham's time, these people all died in faith, not having received the promises, the promises of God. They hadn't received them yet when they died. But having seen them afar off in visions, in dreams, they saw what they was going to receive. And were persuaded or convinced of them. Hey, I know that I know that I know that this is going to happen. Because I've been promised by God. And we've been promised by God. Well, that ought to be our faith. I know what's going to happen. I know what's coming. And they embraced them. They held on to what their visions and what they say and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims here on earth. They were just strangers. They were just pilgrims walking on there. That's what we are. And it's here in verse 14 it says, For they that say such things plainly declare that they seek a country. They're seeking a place that is truly belongs to them. God says, I have prepared a place for you. And if I have prepared a place for you, I will come again and receive you that you may be where I am also. He's fixing them a place where they belong. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. We're not of this world. And truly, if they had been mindful, or if they had thought about this, these people, they said that... That that country from where they came out of, they might have had the opportunity to return. That's happened a lot with the Christian people. So-called Christian. They said, yes, Lord Jesus, come into my life, but they didn't mean it. They went back into the world. They had the opportunity to go back where they came from, and they did. we got to look forward to where we're going, not to where we've been. You know what it's like where you're being, but you can only imagine how wonderful and great and it ought to be exciting. And they embraced what they saw. They embraced it. They were looking forward to going to their land, their new home. They said, but, but now they desired, of where they was at, now they desired a better country. They, de- they desired something better than what they had. That's what we ought to do. Desire something better than what we got right now in this world. That is a heavenly place where God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared them for a city. A city where they will not be strangers and where they will not be pilgrims. It will be home. It will be where they belong. It will be theirs. They're not going to be strangers there. You know, the Bible says that these men and women, because of their faith, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. 
They knew that they did not fit into this earth and the things of this earth. They were different. They wasn't like everybody else. We're different. We're not like everybody else in this world. And we have to understand that. They knew that this world was not their home. It's not their permanent home. It was just a temporary place till they got to their home. That's all this earth is. It's just a temporary place till we get home. As I was reading a little article, a pilgrim and a stranger, but this is what it says about them. I'm going to, I'll tell you something else in just a minute. In the ancient world, strangers were often looked at with hatred. A Christian is looked at with hatred. Did God said, they will hate you because of me. They're going to hate you because you serve Jesus Christ. Suspicion. Oh, what are they up to now? What are those Christians going to do next? They're suspicious of you and contempt because they were different. We are different from the world. And the world is suspicious of us. They hold us in contempt and they hate us. It's exactly what the Bible says it happened. Jesus, for they shall hate you because of me. Because we serve Jesus. Because we love Jesus. The world is going to hate you because the world hates Christ. The word pilgrim, as I said a while ago, the word pilgrim means someone who is living somewhere temporarily. It's not your permanent home. A pilgrim is someone who is living someplace just temporarily. It's not their home. Abraham was a stranger and a pilgrim in this land. He was both physically and spiritually a pilgrim. In, in, in a stranger, he was a stranger physically in that he was not from the land of Canaan. He wasn't from Canaan. He was a stranger there. People didn't understand him. They didn't like him. He had too much power. They met Abraham's God through the power that God gave Abraham and the things, the blessings that God put on Abraham. They saw those blessings. You are so blessed. Your God is with you. How many people do you think look at you and say, you are so blessed because your God is with you. That's why you're blessed. Your God is with you. He loves you. He puts his blessings on you. He puts his hedge of protection around you. That's what he did with Abraham. All Abraham's enemies were so amazed at what God did in Abraham's life. Abraham was so wealthy. He had everything. They said, this is from your God and we know it. Your God has blessed you. I can just see Abraham. Boy, you got that right. My God has blessed me. And I see people in here that God has blessed. Ted and Krishana have been blessed by two beautiful daughters. They was told they'd never have children. They adopted one. Then what happens? Here comes Gracie. You know. Yeah. But see, God blessed them because of their faith and their love for God. God will put blessings on you that you cannot contain. He said, for I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. 
Wouldn't that be great? Oh, God, what am I going to do with all these blessings? Where am I going to put them? I'll find a place. You know, but that's what God wants to do in our life. When we serve Him and we walk with Him, He said, boy, you don't realize what's fixing to come next. You're going to be so blessed you're not even going to be able to believe it. I know Ted couldn't believe it. Koshana couldn't believe it. I don't believe it. But it happened, you know. But also, Abraham was, was a stranger spiritually. What do you mean he was a stranger spiritually? In that he did not serve or worship the gods of Canaan. He worshiped the one, the true, the only God, the creator of all heaven and earth, the creator of all things. That was Abraham's God. That should be your God. That should be your God. You know, the Canaanites served many gods. They had a God for everything. Remember when Paul went to Athens and he was going through there and he was looking at all these gods? He even saw one God that had a title under it. The unknown God. They didn't want to miss anything. They wanted a God for everything. They didn't want to overlook nothing. So they even had a God called the unknown God. That God, you're that one that if we didn't count you, you're it. But what were they? Stone? Wood? And they could do nothing. They were dead. You serve a living God. A God that has lived all eternity and will live on and on and on that can meet any need, any blessing that you need in your life. I don't want to go and call up on a, a, a rock figure there and say, hey, rock, I need you to bless me. Because I mean, I couldn't have the faith that was going to happen. But when I call up on my God, the creator of all things, I can believe in my heart. God, I've asked you. You said whatever I ask and I believe, I can have Ask in faith. But you know, what you're asking for, it better be something that's beneficial. God is not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. Many times we ask for things that we don't need. They'll do us harm. Many times you say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. No, because he loves you. He didn't want you hurting. He didn't want you to have those things. They could have drawn you away from me. How many of you have asked for things that very possibly could have come into your life and you thought more of what came into your life than you did God? What about a brand new spanking fishing boat? Well, God, I'd be in your house today, but man, I've got to get to that lake and I've got to go fishing. Well, don't, get, don't be surprised if you get out there and that boat sinks. God, can take away what you put before him. He can remove it. God wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. You know, the Canaanites served many gods, but like I said, Abraham served the one, the true God. The Canaanites only sought to please themselves, but Abraham sought to please God. That should be our desire. God let me do what pleases you. 
Let me do what's right in your sight, Lord. Let me do the things that please you. And when we do the things that please God, you talk about blessings coming out of heaven and falling all over you. You don't have a mop big enough to, to get rid of them. God is going to bless your life so tremendous. And I believe this. I do because I've had those blessings through my family, through what God has done in my life. The Canaanites, like I said, sought only to please themselves, but Abraham sought to please his God. Like I said, are we seeking to please ourselves or are we seeking to please God? Sometimes we have to sit back. We, the Bible says, examine yourselves. And we're going to see that again in a minute when we do communion. It says, look at yourself. Ask yourself these questions. Are you seeking just to please you or are you seeking to please me? We should be seeking to please God and the things of God that he has blessed us with. As Christians, yes, we are in this world but we should not be of this world. We should be different. People ought to know you are different. When somebody comes up to you, do they know you're different? Can they look at you and say, hey, you're a Christian, aren't you? There's something different about you. I think that's one of the biggest compliments I've ever had in my life. I was at the hospital, and I didn't know this lady, but she was sitting over there, and the minute she come to me, and she just said, could I ask you a question? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, I could tell. I could tell. Can they tell you're a Christian? The way you act, the way you talk. Can somebody tell that you're a Christian? They should be able to. They should be able to know if you're a Christian and that you worship God. You know, like I said, we are in this world, but we're not to be part of this world. And I just made me a little note here. It said, by the term world, we do not mean this planet, but the culture and the ways of thinking that are in this world. Do we think like this world thinks? Do we do the things this world does? Are we part of this world? Do we act like the world? Or like I said, can people look at you and say, hey, you're a Christian, aren't you? You're different. You're different. I hope they can. I hope they can. I hope, I hope they ask you that. You know, it's just like today. There are many out there saying today that right is wrong and wrong is right. They're totally going opposite of what God's Word says. They're saying opposite of what God says. You know, John writes in John in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Listen to, what John, listen to what John is saying. This is what God is saying. <clears throat> Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. For all that is in the world, these are the three things in the Bible that says God hates. God hates these three things. He says, this is, this is in the world. The lust of the flesh. Your, your flesh is desiring something simple. 
and you're lusting for it. You're wanting it so bad. God said, ah, ah. The lust of the eyes. The things you see. Oh, I wish I was doing it. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want to do that. The lust of the eyes. The last one is the is, excuse me, pride of life. Our pride. God hates pride. Why? A prideful person has that attitude that, hey, I don't need God. I can do everything myself. I'm self-sufficient. I can do any. He's got so much pride in himself and how great and wonderful he is He's not giving God glory or praise or he's not giving God the credit for anything in his life. He said, it's all me. Maybe you've known people like that. I have. They were so full of pride, like to wring their neck. But the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This didn't come from the Father. It came from the world. And the world, what did I say? What? The world is passing away. And the lust of it, and he who does the will of God will abide forever. Not on this earth, but in heaven for all eternity. Who does the will of God abides forever. It's our eternal life that God has promised us through Jesus Christ. It's not always easy, and I know it, it's not always easy to escape the influence and the pull that the world has on us. We was in there once. and there, Sometimes those things just kind of come, oh, I remember, yes, I do. Sometimes I remember and I say, oh, Lord God, thank you for bringing me out of that. Maybe some of you know it. I worked for Coors Beer Company 15 years. I was in all the beer joints and everything else. I worked for a vending company for a number of years. I was in all the beer joints. I was servicing. I was taking care of the pool tables, the jukeboxes, all the games, cigarette machines, everything. You'd be surprised what I saw. And some of the, you know, it got to where if I walked in a bar, nothing surprised me anymore. The things that I saw go on in those bars. While I was working for that vending company, I had to call a God on my life. I prayed one day, God, please get me out of this mess. About a day or two later, I come in. The boss called me and said, Bill, we're going to have to come. I was one of the newest employees. He said, Bill, things are slowing up. Business is not what it goes, and I'm going to have to let a couple guys go, and I'm sorry, I hate to do it, but I've got to let you go. I know I surprised him, but out of me come, praise the Lord. And he, you know, God answered prayer. I went to work for an oxygen company, going into people's homes that I could pray with, talk with. Lay hands on, anoint with oil. I had several people of those people that I was serving with the oxygen totally got off of oxygen because of prayer. They didn't even need it anymore. My boss said one day, he said, Bill, you're going to pray me out of business. 
And then he kind of laughs at me, but don't quit. I did funerals for some of those people. I was blessed to be able to be around those people and talk to them about God, to pray for them. God answers prayer. I said, Lord, get me out of this mess. And he put me into a Christian job that I can enjoy and do. Yes, God is a good God. God is good all the time. True. No, it's not easy, like I said, sometimes to escape the influence and the pull that the world has on you. And it's going to keep pulling at you. And it's going to keep influencing you. But we, are, but we are still living here. But the Bible tells us to live here on this earth as children of God. Let the world see God in you. Let the world know I serve God, not the world. I believe in God, not the things of this world. This world is temporary, but where I'm going is going to be for all eternity. I'm going to a new home, the new Jerusalem, that will be forever and ever and ever and ever, and there will be no end to it. We are not to let ourselves be conformed to the ways of the world. We're not to be like the world. We're not to let ourselves get to that point. We are not to let the world mold us into its way of thinking. And it's going to try. It's going to try to change you. It's going to try to convince you. You're serving a God that's not even real. What you do, what you need to do, is come back to us and let us take care of you. The world cannot take care of you, but God can, and he will. You know, Paul wrote in the, to the Corinthian people in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18. Listen to what he says. He's telling us to come out of this world. He says, come out from among them. Come out from among them. Come out from among the unbelievers. Come out from among the heathens and be separate. Don't be like them. Separate yourself from them. Says the Lord. Do, and then he says, do not touch what is unclean. Do not touch what is unclean. Do not touch their false gods and their false beliefs. Do not let those things get close to you. Do not touch them. Stay away from them. Separate yourself from them. And I will receive you to myself. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Separate yourself from the unbelievers, from the heathen, from the world, and I will receive you and you shall be my sons and my daughters for all eternity. I will be your father. I don't have an earthly father, but I've got a heavenly father. We are in this world now, but we are not to be like or act like the people in the world or do the things that the world does. We're to remember we are the children of God, and in a short time, we're going to leave this world. We're going to leave this earth and go to our heavenly home, which God has promised and has prepared for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Is your heart ready? Do you believe? Do you know for a fact that you're going to go to heaven? 
I'm going to ask the band to come up because I'm getting ready to close. I've got once some scripture I'm going to read, and then I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar if you need to come down. Then we're going to do communion. But this here is the scripture I want, and a lot of us have not, we've overlooked it. We haven't seen it. Now, many of you probably have, but it says here, this is John chapter 17, verses 15 through 21. This is Jesus praying to the Father for his disciples, but not for his disciples only, but also for you. Listen to it. Jesus is asking the Father to watch over you and to bless you. Listen, this is Jesus. He says, I pray not that you should, take, you should take them out of the world. He said, Lord, I, Father, I'm not praying that you'll take the disciples out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil or the evil one. Keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify, set them apart. Set them apart, though, through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. We are in the world, but we're to do God's work while we're here. We're to tell the heathen, the unbelievers, about God and his love and what they can look forward to if they would accept him as their Lord. And for their sakes, the disciples... And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the truth. That they might be sanctified, set apart by your word. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified through the truth. Now listen. Neither I pray for these alone. He's talking about his disciples. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Us through the disciples' word, through what they taught us and told us about God. We believe because the Bible says. And it was the disciples that put this in there. We are believing on God because of what the disciples put in the Bible, what the disciples said, what God told them to say. Neither pray I for these disciples alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, or your word. That they all may be one, we may be a family, we may love each other, as you, Father, are in me. God wants us to have that same closeness with each other as Jesus did with the Father. He wants us to have that same closeness with Him and the Father as they did each other. And I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. We are to tell the world about Jesus Christ, His love, His mercy, His forgiveness, his death on the cross, his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And only through this way, where Jesus said, For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto, the, unto God except by me. What he said, you cannot come to God unless you believe in me. You can't get to God unless you come through me. 
by believing I am the Son of God, that I died for your sins. I shed my blood for your sins. When you believe that and you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you're saved. I'm going to ask the band to play. And if you're here today and you just need to say, God, I've had some problems. The world has such a pull on me. It's trying to pull me back. I'm asking for your strength to keep me from going back into that foreign country. I don't want to go back. I want to stay with you. I want you to be my father, and I want to be your child. When I die, I want eternal life. And that eternal life only comes through you. So I'm asking you to bless me, forgive me of my sins, to restore me. Lord, let me know that I truly belong to you. So if you need to, if you need to pray, please come to this altar. Just, just have a moment with God. Just have that moment. And just to, if nothing else, just say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for watching over me. Thank you for all that you do in my life. God wants to hear that. Just like you want to hear it from your children. Dad, Mom, thank you for all my blessings, for loving me and taking care of me. That's what God wants to hear from us. So if you need to come up, please do. <coughs> <coughs>